Troy Davis and the Politics of Death. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with my weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. Death brings cheers these days in America. Take the most recent Republican presidential debate in Tampa, Florida. This is CNN's Wolf Blitzer. Ron Paul, so you're a doctor. You know something about this subject. Let me ask you this hypothetical question. A healthy 30-year-old young man has a good job, makes a good living, but decides, you know what? I'm not going to spend $200 or $300 a month to, for health insurance, because I'm healthy. I don't need it. But, you know, something terrible happens. Uh, he, all of a sudden, he needs it. Who's going to pay for if he goes into a coma, well, for example? In a, in a who, who pays for that? In a society that you accept welfareism and socialism, he expects the government to take care well, of it. what do them. you want? But what he should do is whatever he wants to do and assume responsibility for himself. My advice to him would have a major medical policy, but not before. But he doesn't have that. He doesn't have it, and, he's, and he, needs, he needs intensive care for six months. Who pays? That's what freedom is all about, taking your own risk. This whole idea that you have to prepare and take care of everybody. But, Congressman, are you saying that society should just let him die? No. Then there was the prior debate. Governor Rick Perry was asked about his enthusiastic use of the death penalty in Texas. Governor Perry, question about Texas. Uh, uh, your state has executed 234 death row inmates, more than any other governor in modern times. Have you, have you struggled to sleep at night um, uh, with the idea that any one of those might have been uh, innocent? No, sir, I've never struggled with that at all. The reaction from the audience prompted debate moderator Brian Williams of NBC News to follow up with a question. What do you make of that dynamic just happened here? The mention of the execution of 234 people drew applause. That dynamic is why challenging the death sentence to be carried out against Troy Davis by the state of Georgia on September 21st is so important. Davis has been on Georgia's death row for close to 20 years after being convicted of killing off-duty police officer Mark McPhail in Savannah. Since his conviction, seven of the nine non-police witnesses have recanted their testimony, alleging police coercion and intimidation in obtaining the testimony. There's no physical evidence linking Davis to the murder. Last March, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that Davis should receive an evidentiary hearing to make his case for innocence. Several witnesses have identified one of the remaining witnesses who is not recanted, Sylvester Red Coles, as the shooter. U.S. District Judge William T. Moore, Jr. refused on a technicality to allow the testimony of witnesses who claim that, after Davis had been convicted, Coles admitted to shooting McPhail. In his August court order, Moore summarized, Mr. Davis is not innocent. One of the jurors, Brenda Forrest, disagrees. She told CNN in 2009, recalling the trial of Davis, all of the witnesses, they were able to ID him as the person who actually did it, she said. Since the seven witnesses recanted, she now says, If I knew then what I know now, Troy Davis would not be on death row. It, the verdict would be not guilty. Troy Davis has three major strikes against him. First, he's an African-American man. Second, he was charged with killing a white police officer. And third, he's in Georgia. More than a century ago, the legendary muckraking journalist Ida B. Wells risked her life when she began reporting on the epidemic of lynchings in the Deep South. She published Southern Horrors, Lynch Law in All Its Phases, in 1892, and followed up with the Red Record in 1895, detailing hundreds of lynchings. She wrote, 
In Brooks County, Georgia, December 23rd, while this Christian country was preparing for Christmas celebration, seven Negroes were lynched in 24 hours because they refused or were unable to tell the whereabouts of a colored man named Pike who killed a white man. Georgia heads the list of lynching states, she wrote. The planned execution of Troy Davis will not be at the hands of an unruly mob but in the sterile, fluorescently lit confines of Georgia Diagnostic and Classification Prison in Butts County, near the town of Jackson. The state doesn't intend to hang Davis from a tree with a rope or a chain, to hang, as Billie Holiday sang, like a strange fruit. Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar tree. The state of Georgia, unless its Board of Pardons and Paroles intervenes, will administer a lethal dose of pentobarbital. Georgia is using this new execution drug because the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration seized its supply of sodium thiopental last March, accusing the state of illegally importing the poison. This is a case that, whether you support the death penalty or you oppose it, uh, should make you stop dead in your tracks. That's Ben Jealous, president of the NAACP. Amnesty International has called on the State Board of Pardons and Paroles to commute Davis's sentence. This is Amnesty International USA Executive Director Larry Cox. I don't know of another case that screams out injustice like this case. This is someone where seven of the nine witnesses, as you said, have recanted their testimony. Uh, there's no physical evidence linking him to the crime. Uh, there's such a strong presumption uh, or such a, a reasonable doubt about his that to put him to death uh, would be uh, really a crime upon a crime. But it's not just the human rights groups the parole board should listen to. Pope Benedict XVI and Nobel Peace Prize laureates President Jimmy Carter and South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, among others, also have called for clemency, where the board can listen to mobs who cheer for death. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan.